Well, got to be honest, it doesn't really feel like there's a uh, whole lot of imminence happenings going on with OU football recruiting right now. You're waiting on Peyton Bowen. You're waiting on Tassili Akana. You're waiting on some others. So it doesn't necessarily feel like we're waiting on a big commitment to happen in the next couple of weeks. But what it does feel like, Parker Thune, is the good old days again when I guess we're talking about an OU Texas weekend where OU's the home team and going to be hosting quite a bit of recruits at the Cotton Bowl. Is that what I'm hearing? Big recruiting weekend Uh, for OU? Huge recruiting weekend. So uh, this makes this weekend all the more important because on the one hand, you don't want to lose to Texas, but in a more poignant sense, you don't want to get blown out by Texas. You certainly don't want it to happen in front of a bunch of elite recruits in the 2023, 2024, and 2025 cycles. Yeah, this feels like uh, feels like the good old days where we're always talking about. Oh man, you got a ton of recruits at this OU Texas game. I remember uh, Mac back in the day. He used to let them wear a uh, uniform and run out of the tunnel. Was it Adrian Peterson back in the day? Text line that was throwing the uh, horns down up on the sideline when OU was destroying Texas. There's uh, there's been some uh, very fond uh, recruiting memories for OU fans with this game back over the years. I think it was Adrian Peterson that was throwing the horns down in this game. So, hey, maybe Michael Hawkins, four-star quarterback for the 2024 class, Parker, maybe you play by far and away your best game of the year, figure it out defensively, and you got your 2024 quarterback over offer over there throwing the horns down on the sideline, huh? There's <laughs> best-case be nice? scenario for this weekend. Now, now, listen, I think this is a weekend where if Oklahoma wins, you could see your first 2024 commit. Because there are a whole bunch of guys that are going to be visiting uh, that I I think are getting close. Getting close to locking into a a decision and who favor Oklahoma right now. At the top of that list, you mentioned Michael Hawkins. I would also throw in there four-star linebacker Peyton Pierce out of Lovejoy. Yeah. Four-star defensive lineman Zadavian Sims out of Durant, Oklahoma. This is the type of weekend where if you're able to stem the tide, if you're able to come away with an emotional – upset victory and it feels weird to say upset victory over texas but that's what it is by definition if you're able to come away with an emotional upset victory this could be the weekend where you're able to get things rolling in 2024 well and not only that not only the weekend where you can get things rolling i i think this goes without saying but a win this weekend parker it would totally crater texas season Again, (laughs) just like you did last year. Like We tend to look at it, obviously, from the OU side of things, but if you hand Texas a loss this Saturday, which would be their third loss of the season Uh and their second conference loss of the season, buddy, we would see a torpedo effect. The likes of what I think that we saw last year, man. You talk about some throwing in the towel. Like Texas may be a seven-point favorite, and we'll see what the number is at kickoff. Dude, this is a must-win, a absolute must-win for Texas if they want to have any sort of a successful season. Okay, they so better, they have to win this one. Let's let's just play this out. Let's say Oklahoma wins Saturday for the sake of the argument. Thereafter, Texas's schedule looks like this: home game with Iowa State. That's probably a win. We'll give that one to. Them. I but the three-star uh, culture has beaten them up often over the past several years. But I would I would agree with you. They go to Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's number, a loss. Number seven, Oklahoma State. They go to Kansas State. Number that's a 20, loss. Kansas State. They host TCU, 
which has that been may be a like loss. TCU they, has been a thorn. That's in their been their side bugaboo for well, years. There's been a lot of teams in the conference that uh, <laughs> Texas can't no, beat, but TCU's their, one. Their of kryptonite them. comes the following yes. week because they go to Lawrence, Kansas. So you got to make that trip, and then you conclude the uh, regular season by hosting Baylor. That's not going to be an easy draw either. So like, here's the thing: Texas is favored this week. If Dylan Gabriel doesn't play. Texas probably wins this football game. But if Oklahoma comes out with the victory, you could send Texas spiraling out of bowl contention by the end. Oh, of the I year. think there's uh I and I and I kid a little bit because I've been saying this since the offseason, but Texas walks out of this game with three losses and their best chance to beat OU in what well, this is Texas' best chance. I know they've beaten OU previously. I'm just talking about what the matchup looks like on paper. It's Texas' best odds to win the game since 2009. And that, I think, is that the last time Texas was favored That's, to win this game favored, was 2009? Yeah. So, obviously, that, that, that works there. Texas lose this game, their season will absolutely crater. Yeah, now, they're a seven-point favorite again. They've got a very good chance to win this game. But if they don't, man, ooh, buddy, Sark's going to be dealing with something. And I went back and I, and I looked at some of the bigger upsets in this rivalry's history in terms of point spreads. And what I found via the Action Network is this, and you tell me, text line as well, if this means anything at all to you. The biggest upset point spread-wise in this series history, no surprise here, it's 1996. OU is a 21-point dog and won outright in overtime, 30-27. to 27. Uh, In 1989, OU was a 17-and-a-half-point favorite, they lost that day to Texas 28-24. In 2015, Baker Mayfield's first year as a starter, OU was a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. They lost outright by a touchdown. Uh, you had 2013, OU was a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. They lost by two scores, 36-20. The last time this game was decided by, uh, what, two scores? I think double digits. That, that was the last time. Uh, 1992, OU was a 10-and-a-half-point favorite. They lost by 10. 1990, uh, OU was a nine-point favorite. They lost by one. Like, a lot of these defeats came from the OU side. I'm just like throwing out some numbers here to tell you that there's been plenty of times where a team's been right around a touchdown dog and they've won outright in this game. So if that means anything to anyone, there, there you go. One listener on the text line says, doesn't this crater OU season with a loss also? Potentially. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah no, sure. That's, that's on the table. That's we got to acknowledge that. That's fair. Uh, it, and exact same sentiment. Uh, from somebody in the 918 here. Guys, you're saying if Texas loses their seasonal crater, dude, if we lose, our season could crater as well. Careful well, yeah, enough. that yeah. goes without saying, That's, guys. I'm just trying to offer up like the other side of this thing going into the game. Tyler's pumping sunshine Jeez. again. It's just a random thought that I had earlier today. But yes, um, of course, if you if you're three and three and you may not know who your quarterback is moving forward, yes, absolutely can crater your season. Yeah. But I thought we were potentially there already. A lot of people on the text line asking about Jarek Gibson, five star running back in the class of twenty twenty four, who just put Oklahoma in his top twelve. Oklahoma has not actually offered Jarek Gibson yet. So people need to understand that is a situation where Jarrett Gibson has a lot of interest in Oklahoma and Oklahoma has a lot of other priorities at the running back mm. position. So I, I would not count on Jarrett Gibson being a part of this class. Uh, I would more focus on the likes of Caden Durham, Taylor Tatum, 
Nate Palmer, and then, of course, there's the Stacey Gage situation. Which is a uh, fascinating one in the state of Florida. Yeah, looks increasingly precarious there. Um, I just hope that Stacey Gage gets to uh, make his decision, and there's not some uh, people around him leading him towards maybe where the NIL money is. I just I, I just hope Stacey Gage gets to play where, uh, where, where he wants to, to play, but that's... That's an interesting situation out there in the state of Florida. No, we uh, we spend when we talk recruiting. What do we spend ninety five percent of the time talking about the twenty twenty three class? And the few times that we've dipped into looking beyond, like in twenty twenty four, some have said like, "All right, guys, slow down. Like twenty three is enough, but twenty four, come on." I wonder if people are more willing to talk about the twenty four class, especially defensively, and the guys that you listed there: Zadavian Sims, defensive lineman; Peyton Pierce, four star linebacker. Now that you've kind of seen what you have defensively, I wonder if there's some more interest to look in to- in terms of the future recruiting because you know you're going to have to start stockpiling a lot of talent and get a lot more depth. You know, you know what I mean? Like, with the SEC coming up, should we look more at 2024 now in these defensive prospects because you're going to have to... You're going to have to build up a lot more talent defensively. I think we've seen that the past two games. Okay, uh, I'm going to put this text on blast. Oklahoma never rises up and wins this game as an underdog. Texas does it routinely. They haven't been an underdog since 2009. And again, the biggest upset in series history was when OU was a 21-point dog in 1996. OU had zero wins that year. In 1996, OU rolled into that game having lost to Tulsa and Kansas. Both of those games, I know Tulsa was at home. I believe Kansas was at home as well. They had zero wins. Go back and watch the game. John Blake after, he's doing the uh, number one in the air. He's saying number one. I don't know if he thought that OU was number one or he was doing that because that was That's their first one of the one. year. Yes. <laughs> John Blake's first career win game against uh, came against Texas that day. So OU has one as, as an underdog. And in fact, I think, forget that, because in the early 2000s, even when OU had it rolling, I remember OU still being a dog most of those years. They were an underdog in 2000, and I'm pretty sure they were an underdog in like 01 and 02 as well. If that information is available via the internet, I'll try and find that or somebody else can. But even when OU was kicking Mac Brown in the early 2000s, I felt like Texas was still a betting favorite, a slight one going into the game every single year. Somebody on the text line asked, did Parker see David Stone's tweet about an OU soccer commit? No, I didn't. We got a, uh, we got a soccer girlfriend in the picture I'll for David connect Stone, the dots. too. I'll connect so. the dots there, okay? Okay. Anything we need. Okay, there we go. I mean, I, I, I've said it many a time. I already think David Stone in Oklahoma are as close to a done deal as it gets, but uh, if we got, a, uh, we got a soccer girlfriend to sweeten the deal, then – there you go. Hey, if I you're not going to use NIL, use use soccer girlfriends. You know what I mean? Why not? It's not illegal, is it? If what A&M's doing is not technically illegal, then I don't think using soccer girlfriends is illegal. If it gets you to the number two overall class, Parker, then by Re- all means, Recruit man. all the girlfriends. There needs to be an understanding between Brent Venables and uh, Mark Carr. Is that who the soccer coach is? Uh, sure, yeah. Okay, I, it's, it's completely off the top of my head. Uh, I haven't watched OU soccer in quite a while. Uh, is OU pursuing JV and Toviano at safety anymore? Was that the old staff? No, that was the old staff. Uh, another listener says, 1996 is still my favorite game as a student and, quite frankly, my entire life. No business winning that game, Sooner Magic. Their backfield was Ricky Williams and Priest Holtz. And, yeah, you won that game outright in overtime. 
by the way, Texas was a favorite in 2000 and 2001. Vegas caught on after that. Well, good for them that they caught on by 2003 after that 65-13 beatdown that OU put on Texas. Uh, Jim in Arlington asks, what's the relationship status between number one Oklahoma Prep 2024 running back Red Martell and the Sooners? Mutual interest but no offer yet. I, I don't think he's going to end up being an offer guy for Oklahoma just because we've talked about the fact that 2024 may be a one-take year for Oklahoma at running back, and they already have some really solid – uh, well-defined relationships with some of the guys that I just mentioned, be it Stacey Gage, Nate Palmer, Taylor Tatum, Caden Durham, et cetera, et cetera. So <laughs> another listener says, I hope all these naysayers don't watch Saturday because they'll be the first to say, I never doubted this team. Love the optimism, boys, but OU is not winning this game. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, small town of the day, Chattanooga, hometown of Super Bowl champion tight end Cody McElroy. Chattanooga is? They don't even have a football team. Nah, he went, he didn't go to high school in Chattanooga. Oh, okay. Where did he go to? One of the Lawton schools? Uh, it's like th- outside Lawton. I don't remember, but I know he's from Chattanooga. I know he won a Super Bowl with my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How so. about that? Chatty, as people out there reference Cody McElroy has an amazing story, by the way, and I won't unpack it because it's, uh, it's an aside to this whole conversation, but... <laughs> Uh, that's that's worth a documentary at some point. You keep saying that you hope they don't lose, but the most likely result is that they are going to lose. Teams lose all the time, but they still get great recruits. Why is it different for an o, for OU when they lose? What? Yeah, no, no it, it, it's a good point that he's making. People are freaking out about Oklahoma losing recruits when in reality there are teams that lose much more frequently than Oklahoma oh, does. There's two schools in the state of Texas that have that going on right now. Exactly. For sure. Exactly. And apparently the word is there's starting to be a little bit more of uh, what's the, what's the proper word? A quake down in College Station? Yeah, there is the, some scuttlebutt happening yeah. there. And I wonder what it's going to feel like after Alabama wins by about 49 points on Saturday. Hopefully with the backup quarterback. God, if Bama wins and covers the spread with the backup quarterback, like that is the most enjoyable outcome, I think. I think that's the most enjoyable outcome. I want Nick Saban to play his starters for every second of that 60 minutes. Because I think, honestly, and it's, it's a situation where it, it's, tough, it's tough to imagine just in general the entire country rooting for Alabama. But pretty much the entire country is rooting for Alabama yeah. this weekend. Well, and everyone made that decision all the way back uh, during the summer when the when the spat <laughs> happened, right? And I, I I do think that there is a situation that exists, Parker, because Nick Saban uh, he showed us that day. He's pissed by the way that Jimbo Fisher and A and M are going about recruiting because it's costing Alabama right now, right? And OU fans found out the hard way last week of what's going on there. Like they found out why Nick Saban was so mad last week, you know. So I think that there's a situation that exists where if 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 Saban can really throw it down on Texas A and M, I, I think he's going to do it. I, I, if he if he's got an opportunity, and I think there will be an opportunity, Saban's going to Saban's going to take a swing at putting up 65 points on Texas A and M, and with the whole country, the entirety of the country hopes that he does just that. They will relish it. Oh, it's going to be great. All right, in one hour. Bob Stoops is going to join us on The Rush. Be sure to uh, tune in for that. We'll hear from uh, Coach Stoops on what he thought about the TCU game, what he thinks about the Texas game coming up and more. For now, keep it locked right here on The Ref. We are the Homeless Sooner fans. It's locked in.
Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref, we're the home of Sooner fans. Money may have talked uh, last week with David Hicks. Or, hey, at least that's what uh, maybe Jeremiah Hull thinks of the podcast on the prairie. Uh, hey, hey let's saying. hope Jimbo Fisher doesn't get a hold of that podcast. Because, you know, he's going to call an emergency press conference immediately. It's ridiculous. We got to do this with 17, 18-year-old kids, and their quer- their characters called into question. I want to apologize to the fan base, these families, these kids. Yeah, shut up, Jimbo. That clip's going to be played a thousand times this week. I hope it's played during the middle of the broadcast while they're down 45 nothing in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> and I hope the Alabama fans are smart enough and creative enough to come up uh, with uh, some amazing chant that trolls Jimbo. Yeah. You know, remember yeah. in the 2010 Iron Bowl, uh, the Bama PA guy played uh, Take the Money and Take Run. The money and run yeah. He did get fired for that, and Auburn did win the game, but I'm expecting something similar from the new well, Bama PA guy. And somebody on the text line said, Watch that. Last time you said Bama was going to win big against a Texas school, it almost backfired on you. Yeah, well, AM just got throttled by Mississippi State. So forgive me if I'm not super high on the Aggies' chances going to Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. Yeah, Tuscaloosa. Yes, it's in Tuscaloosa. Yes. Okay, I just yes, had yes, a fact. Yes, it yes. was in College Station last year, Tuscaloosa this year. Pardon me if I'm not super high on the Aggies' chances going to Brian Denny Stadium to face a wholly motivated Nick Saban, Alabama. And a Bama team that looks like they've kind of starting to figure it yeah, out a little bit. You know? Yeah, they're turning that they corner. They got uh, Arkansas, Arkansas had 23 unanswered in Fayetteville after falling behind 28 nothing, and it was, uh-oh, uh-oh. Bama played a backup quarterback, only up five. And then it felt like Bama scored like 21 and answered or whatever it was to win the game. Friendly reminder that Jalen Milrow was committed to Texas once upon a time. Mm. That one hurts. Uh, let, why don't you play him what they said on the podcast on the Prairie? Those two guys on the uh, David Hicks situation, Braden Willis and uh, Jeremiah Hall. Enjoy. Let's hear it. Another thing that happened this weekend, uh, that Hicks kid, the D lineman that was supposed to commit to OU, went to a and I remember us talking about that. Did you yeah. see that? I did see that. Mm, that sounds suspicious. A little bit. I have my theories, but I mean, I mean, not my theories, but I saw theories, not mine, but I saw theories out there. Hey, you know, whatever yeah. the kid feels is best for him. You know, it's a, that, that process is a hard process. As both you and I know, there's a lot more that goes into it than meets the eye. And, you know, it's just uh, being an 18 year old kid, you know, making decisions like that, man, it's, it's always hard. So, you know, Whatever, yeah. you know, he feels is best for him. One one theory that I was told was that the kid was using both schools to, like, get the bigger NIL deal, if that makes sense. Like, he was wanting to go to A&M, but he was using OU to maybe get some more money under the table. Who knows? I feel like that makes a lot of sense, which, I mean, technically, if we want to be real, it's a smart idea because he's leveraging his talent. What do you think? I, I feel like they were holding back a little bit. Of course they uh, were. As they, as they kind of have to. But, uh, no, I, I'm glad they talked about it because I think they can, especially two guys who went through the process uh, before the process changed drastically with the advent of NIL, uh, their perspective is certainly valued. And, look, I... I, I, never mind. I'm not going to say anything that's going to be bulletin board material for Jimbo Fisher. 
I, I will. What do you you, you okay. just tell me okay. and I'll yeah, say yeah. it? You, no, you go ahead. They paid for David Hicks. Is that what you're going to say? Oh, I'll, I'll say it. That's fine. Because everyone's thinking it, man. I don't know why everyone's like so nervous to say it out loud. Because we all know what's going on here, and we all think the same thing. We all know what's going on. And sorry to open up an old wound from last week, but I just thought it was interesting what those two guys uh, said or what they were on the verge of saying, Parker Thune, because it was pretty telling, both of their thoughts on the whole situation. Yeah. Very Pey- similar to ours. Peyton on the Air Coverage Solutions text line says, Parker, have you heard of that kid Chad Powers? 22 quarterback, still looking for a roster spot. We could use a QB. He was overthrowing some receivers at that uh, Penn State walk-on tryout. <laughs> I think his, I don't think those kids were fast enough for how strong uh, his arm still is. I, I, here's what's interesting to me. What does the quarterback situation look like this offseason? Because you know you have Jackson Arnold coming in. You'd figure at this point Dylan Gabriel is coming back. He's yeah. I mean, he's not going to the NFL. Whether he comes back or not, I mean, I I would say yes, but I don't think it's going to be to the NFL. I really think a lot of people have overlooked Nick Evers in the discourse surrounding Gabriel and Arnold. And I think Evers is going to be right there in the thick of it too. Obviously, unless they decide to transfer again, you're going to have Davis Bevel and General Booty back in the mix like right now Tyler is there is there a favorite as to who starts at quarterback for Oklahoma in 2023 it it totally depends no I mean the short answer is no but it all depends on what Dylan Gabriel does from here on out I, I I think there is a scenario where he can cement himself as the starter going into 2023 but one he's got to get back out on the field and be healthy obviously and two, he's going to have to play significantly better than what he has up to this point. I know what I know what the stats are. You don't got to throw the stats at me. I understand that he hasn't thrown an interception up to this point, but surely we can all agree that he's got to play significantly better from here on out for us to say there is no doubt about it, slam dunk, he's the starting quarterback in 2023. And those are two big ifs at this point, man. So I don't – I mean, no, there's not – there's not someone that you can just automatically pencil in. I, I thought, and I think we both thought, that if Gabriel were to come back for a second year, he Locked would up. he would be the second. Uh, I mean, the slam dunk get starter for 2023. That's not the that's not the scenario right now. It's just, it's just not. No. And I and I wonder if there's a there's a situation where they would kick the tires on bringing in another portal quarterback to come and compete for the starting job next year. Hank Bachmeyer. I don't know who's going to be available, but I mean, I, 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 it wouldn't shock me I, if the play doesn't get better. Yeah, and look, I, I've stood behind Gabriel. I've defended him. I do think he's been better than people have given him credit for. But in today's day and age, man, especially at a place like Oklahoma, you leave the door open even a little bit, you may end up getting exploited. Yeah. Well, and this game too has not signaled a like a, a change of the guard at quarterback. I guess it did last year, but you do realize that in this game, the last two years, the starting quarterback has been benched, not like got true. hit and hurt and they had to sit out for a couple series or got knocked out of the game. No, the starting quarterback in this game has been benched, benched on Saturday. And I, I wonder, Parker, if we're potentially, if Dylan Gabriel doesn't play or if he does play, if we could be looking at that for the third consecutive okay. year on Saturday. Alternatively, 
what happens in a universe where, say, the Sooners decide to start Nick Evers, and he comes out Saturday and just blows the doors off? Hey, where does that leave things heading into Kansas? Well, you, you have to start him the next week. I, I mean, you know, I how, if he blows the doors off, like what does that mean? Scoring 45 points and they win? Or just win the game outright? I mean, you would have to start the quarterback the very next week that had just won the the OU Texas game, right? I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but it's it's an interesting conversation. And Nick Evers is one of the three quarterbacks that's going to be considered this week via Brent Vittables today. And I don't know if we should just shut down all the Micah Bowens conversation, but yeah, we can, we can shut it. Down. Brent Brent listed three quarterbacks today. Yeah. He told us one's Nick Evers. We know that the other one is Davis Bevel, and we assume that the other one is General Booty. So I know a lot of on our on our uh, uh, Twitter line last night was about Micah Bowens. I don't. It doesn't feel like he's a the real option here this week. No, no, he's not. And a uh, lot of people on the text line have varying opinions about the quarterback situation. Not just this weekend, but going forward. Here's what I will say, and it's something I mentioned yesterday on the air. The thing about Dylan Gabriel is that the issues that have plagued him to this point this season are purely mechanical. And because they're purely mechanical, they are very easily fixable. So, who is to say that Dylan Gabriel doesn't turn the corner and kick it into fifth gear come the second half of this season and inspire a lot more confidence down the stretch that he is quite clearly the guy at quarterback for Oklahoma? I yeah. think that's very much within the realm of possibility, too. Uh, let's hit a few texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line before we take a break. Uh, Peyton says, remind me, Tyler, does the ticket to the game get you into the fair as well? Yes, it does. Uh, do we hang on to Jackson Arnold, yes. Parker? Yes, yes, Jackson Arnold's not going anywhere. I don't think so either. Now, but we've gotten that question several times already this week and getting it again today. Most people are, wor- are worried about four guys in this class, Parker. The five-star quarterback and the three defensive linemen that you have. Or the three best defensive linemen, I guess, that you have here. And would you, would you keep them if you go on a losing streak here? I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, that, we'll see if that's the case. I, I do feel pretty good that you're going to keep Jackson Arnold. Yeah. And maybe, honestly, Parker, maybe now like there's a scenario where you should feel even better about keeping Jackson Arnold because he knows that, you know, there's maybe more of a legit chance that he could be a starting quarterback his true freshman year. I mean, doesn't it look more likely that he could be that guy now in terms of what we thought a month ago? Sure. sure. Yeah. And uh, somebody on the text line said, I just want to see a five-yard out route be completed. Yeah, that's nice. I'll, I'll take yeah. that, too. Yeah. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. More Cruton, more college football on the other side. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref, we're the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. Uh, we did cross a new country off of our list today in terms of uh, really? listeners via the KREF app. Yeah, Germany. Have no idea we're at in Germany. Uh, it wouldn't tell me which city in Germany. It just said Germany when it popped up. I don't know. 
but Germany is officially crossed off the list. As uh, Mexico City made an appearance today, Santa Marta, Colombia was uh, on the list today. Okay. We also have Gainesville, Texas. See you Friday. Madison, Alabama. Hayden, Idaho. Junction City, Kansas. And our small town of the day, well, we don't have to go very far from Norman. How about Washington, Oklahoma? Ah, James Winchester. Right down the street. Yeah, James Winchester. Deep snapper for the Kansas City Chiefs. Has there been anybody else come out of Washington that's uh I mean like some small like some some really good baseball players have come from Washington. Yeah. They they've got some they got a really good athletic program out there. Baseball, football, uh they're 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 really good. Cooper Alexander's there now. Is Steven he, Alexander's I was to say, son. they have yeah. Steven Alexander. So they're kid. about to have uh, another big time football player okay, come out go. of there. Is he going to go the deep snapping route like James Winchester? He may go the tight end route like his dad did. Uh, his dad was a pro bowler with uh, Washington was back really in the day. Was he really a pro bowler? I knew he had some success. He, in the NFL. I didn't realize he, he was, was second round draft pick coming out of OU, and he made it to the Pro Bowl one wow. year. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Steve. Family friend Stephen Alexander. Okay. I would. Uh, yeah. I did not realize that four star defensive lineman like. Going back to last week, we talked about the the plans moving forward at defensive lineman after losing David Hicks, and we we really kind of mentioned three guys, and the three guys we mentioned were Caden McDonald, Johnny Bowens, and Marcus Steele. All of those guys are four stars. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize Marcus Steele was at the TCU OU game on Saturday. Yeah, not a not a great look. I don't know if that does anything, but it's like, ooh boy, he was at that game. Okay, I don't know if it does anything. It certainly doesn't do anything good. That's about the best way of putting it. But you will have Michael Hawkins, 2024 quarterback, at the OU Texas game on Saturday. He's one of the more, I mean, wouldn't you say he's one of the more high profile recruits yeah. that you have? I mean, yeah. That have at the game at least. How much um, is Jackson Arnold like, is that the biggest, one of the biggest potential issues for OU recruiting him? I think that is the only issue, to be quite honest with you. I think if not for the for the presence of Jackson Arnold, Mike Hawkins would have been committed to OU yesterday. It would have been done long ago. But, understandably, when you're a 2024 quarterback and you're thinking about your opportunity to get on the field early and play at a place like Oklahoma, there's naturally going to be a bit of a holdup in your mind when they've got a guy committed that's only a year older than you and is almost going to ensure that you are riding the pine your first two years of college. So that's what Oklahoma's going to struggle to get past with Michael Hawkins. By no means do I think it's something that can't be overcome. Sure. But uh, I will say Arkansas has made things very, very, very interesting in that recruitment because – uh, as you'll, as as most will recall, Kendall Bryles and Jeff Lebby come from the exact same coaching tree. That's right. They're actually brothers-in-law, run very similar styles of offense, and Arkansas has actually offered Hawkins' younger brother Malik as well, who's a 2025 cornerback. So they have thrown. They're going the, the package deal. Yeah. Oh, this is the uh, Shetron situation of last year, huh? Exactly. Uh-oh. That's that's kind of what it feels like. So. Uh, look, I I don't think it is – it shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody to hear that. I, I firmly believe Michael Hawkins' heart is at OU. 
but your heart can be somewhere, and you can recognize that you have a greater opportunity elsewhere. His so. path to playing is a lot better. Um, it's a lot easier. In in Arkansas. And I don't really know what Arkansas has on the roster outside of KJ Jefferson right now. I mean, it's not. They've. It, do they still have? They've got a 2023 quarterback committed, I believe. Malachi Singleton is his name. And he's a four-star kid from the state of Georgia. Uh, yes, been committed since April. So he's coming in as a four-star, uh, top 250 guy. So to be honest, it, the situations aren't that different, but I don't think anybody is going to stack up Malachi Singleton alongside Jackson Arnold and say there's not a clear superior between sure. those two. This is a really good question on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, and I had it written down on the rundown sheet for today. This text says from the 918, what are the chances OU doesn't run the hurry-up offense against Texas? It doesn't seem to be any advantage for us. Well, okay, so here's what that boils down to. comes down to how you set the tone 100%. Early. It, it all depends. And it depends on who the quarterback is, right? Uh, if Gabriel yeah. plays, you're going to see the hurry-up offense. That's going to happen. But if you're going to have to do something wacky offensively, and play someone that you don't necessarily want to throw out there, then, yeah, I could I could see an offense that's trying to run as much play clock as possible in between each snaps, yes. Yeah, but again, if that's the route you're going to take, you have to establish the tone and the momentum in the early stages of that football game because if Texas comes out and opens the game like they did a year ago, Right, where it's a 75-yard touchdown pass on the very first play. It doesn't have to be exactly that situation. But if the Longhorns come out, they get the ball first, they score first, and you're trying to take things slow, you're really banking on your defense to be able to tighten things up after that. Yeah, I, like, I, don't, I don't really even think it matters who starts at quarterback for Texas. I think their offensive game plan is going to be probably the exact same. And I, I feel like I have a really good idea of what Texas is going to do offensively because I think it's the same thing that what TCU did last week and even Kansas State the week before it. Texas is going to try to come out and deliver a four, first quarter haymaker. That's what they're going to try to do, man. Um, OU is limping into this game, especially if Gabriel's not playing. They're going to try to throw a first-round knockout. Now, they thought that they did last year, and obviously OU came back and won that game. But they feel like they get off to the start that they did a year ago. OU doesn't have the answers offensively to come back and win this game. So what what are you going to see offensively? You're going to see a lot of go balls one-on-one down the field. You're going to see a lot of those tunnel screens where they make OU's corners come up and tackle. Yep. I think you're going to see that over and over and over again. They're going to test OU's corners. They're going to test their DBs down the field. Realistically. That's, that's what you see. And a lot of B. John Robinson, obviously. Realistically, Garrett Riley could have called a tunnel screen on every single play last sure. week. yeah. That's how inept Oklahoma was at defending it. So you're going to have to shore things up in that regard. And, yeah, you're going to have to make sure that the Longhorns don't race out to an early lead because, especially if Gabriel is out, this just isn't a team that's engineered to play from behind. Yeah, and I like the take. I think Steely said it earlier, and uh, a few people on the text line have been saying it. You know, we're going to spend, I'm sure, most of this week debating on who should be the starting quarterback for this game or who it's going to beat, whatever. But I, I think, really, the defense is going to have to win you the game on yeah. Saturday. Yeah. I'm not saying that the quarterback's not an important element of this game. Of course it is. But if we're talking about OU winning, I think we're going to have to be talking about Parker. Oh, my gosh, that was the best defensive performance that OU's had all year long. 
They kept this. They kept it close. They kept the OU offense always in striking distance. Like Texas could never get out to a big lead because this OU defense played so well. That's really what it's going to have to be. This OU defense is going to have to revert back to, I guess, what they look like in the first three weeks of the year. I know a lot of people aren't going to feel great about that OU defense playing that well, but that I think that's what we're really talking about here. Yeah, Justin and Kawita asks, how many other starters will we be without? Didn't we lose a few on defense too? Um, so here's where things stand in that regard. Ethan Downs will play. R. Mason Thomas will play. That's big. Uh, Damon Harmon obviously will not. Billy Bowman's status is up in the air. That's a big and one, too. That's, that's, that's a, big a one. huge one. That's a huge one. Uh, offensively, Marcus Major is trending towards being able to play. Eric Gray was at practice yesterday. You'd imagine... Uh, that whatever injury he encountered on Saturday isn't too serious and he's going to be ready to go. If not, you have a real viable insurance policy in Javante Barnes and a guy that Jeff Levy has a ton of confidence in. Not really sure where things stand with Theo Weiss. Haven't gotten a whole lot of credible intel on that situation, but obviously the injury conversation starts and stops with Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. It, well, is, it, it is encouraging that he was out on the practice. And there was a video. We, only, we know that because uh, – there was a video that was leaked. It looked like from like the Headington Hall dorms yeah. or something like that. Of he, he didn't have any pads on. He was just kind of throwing off to the side. But, hey, at least he was oh, out you there. Know, no, you know where it was from? I bet it was from the parking garage. Really? Yeah. Even better. The Jenkins oh, parking I garage. love that. Even better. Yeah, right. I, I, Muleshoe would have canceled all media availability. No, he'd be built a dome over the practice field. All right, we'll, we'll try to get to as many of your texts coming up next. Keep them coming. 405-651-3439. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line, final segment of Locked In's next. Final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. Text line says, hey guys, listening from Florida, any news from BV's press conference? Yes, he said it took an act of God for OU to beat Kansas last year. That's what I took away from the press conference today. And he also uh, in no way committed to Davis Bevel being quarterback number one no, on Saturday. No, he did not. Now, maybe he is, uh, you know, that's a strategy, like not, not trying to reveal uh, the game plan for, for Saturday, but I, I mean, there's probably a, somewhat of a competition going on this week for, for, court, for QB1. I mean, obviously you can't have that, com- that, uh, that uh, going into like Friday afternoon or anything, that competition, but he said three other guys were getting reps at quarterback, correct? And yes. we think that that's uh, Bevel, that's Booty, and that's Nick Evers. And we, Yeah, we know that. Not he, Micah Bowens. He confirmed it later on. Micah Bowens is not among them. Uh, Kendall sent me the video of Dylan Gabriel on Twitter and said, Gaylord College. No, Kendall, that's the parking garage. Trust me. I, I basically lived in Gaylord College for three and a half years. That video was taken from the parking garage, not Gaylord College. Gaylord College is across the street. Uh, on the text line... 
This listener in the 918 says, when was the last time our defense went out and won a game? Not just hung on for dear life like 95% of the wins under Mule Shoe, but actually went out and won a game because they controlled it start to finish. At Ohio State last, I remember. It was like 6-3 to three at halftime or 3-3 three to three at halftime. I don't think they you have to go that back day. that far. I think in 2020, when Oklahoma went down to TCU, that was a game that the defense controlled start to finish. I think there were several games down the stretch. How about 2020 Bedlam? You played really well against Oklahoma State and only allowed one uh, offensive touchdown that day. 2019 Bedlam. Yeah, you played really good. They scored one offensive touchdown in that game, too. Yeah. Uh, this listener says, uh, Sooner Gary says, to win, we will need a big player two on special teams as well. Big kickoff return slash punt return. Maybe a blocked punt, fake punt, field goal, something to help create momentum. We've seen special teams come into play big time the last couple of years. 2020 more than any other year that I can remember. Yeah, man. 2020 you had the blocked punt yep. by David Aguebu. You had the blocked field goal. By Perion Winfrey, which loomed very large after Gabe Burke. Dicker, the kicker, his... yeah, missed one in that same overtime, right? Yeah, because it was blocked. Yes. It was, yep, yeah, yep. that was the one that Perion Winfrey got a hand on. And then, of course, last year, you have Michael Turk getting a punt blocked early. Uh, the biggest play of the game in terms of momentum was Caleb Kelly stripping the ball from Xavier Worthy on that kick return. So, uh, yeah, special teams has been huge in each of the last two Red River showdowns. It would do the Sooners good to have a big special teams play this time around as well. Sam and Edmund, I just want to see multiple quarterbacks. I, I just want to see multiple QBs of the if the starter is struggling. Is is that's what I'm if that's what I'm reading right? I don't want to see stubbornness where we see one QB struggle all day if it's not DG. I look if if someone's struggling, if they throw out Bevel and it doesn't look good early on, I don't think that they're going to hesitate to throw out. General Booty or Nick Evers or whoever else they deem is the next best option. I, I, If it's not good early and they need someone else to go in and play quarterback, I think that this staff will probably do that. But I'm with you, Sam. Like I don't want to just throw out a guy playing four quarters and just try to get out of there without getting beat by 50. This is a great text to end on. And no, Kendall, I wasn't throwing you under the bus. We're good. It's all good. Don't worry. Uh, this listener from the 918 says, have we ever had anyone score 28 points in the first quarter against us before last weekend? Uh, yes. Try last year yeah, I was, in the Red River Showdown. I was talking to OU historian Mike Brooks today. He said 27 points in the first. It was 27 by TCU. He said they've given up more than that once ever in program history. 28 against Texas <laughs> the uh, previous year. Hey, I was like, it wow. all worked out. All right, Bob Stoops will join us at 320 on the rush. Uh, keep it locked right here on the ref.